0: Blessed are those who thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Hello and welcome to our Thirsty Podcast here on the Raised with Jesus Podcast. Uh, My name is Jeremy Lightning. I'm here with my co-host, Reverend Michael Zarling. And our guest today is a former high school roommate of mine, a uh, former wrestler, a current uh, preacher, teacher of God's Word, uh, martial arts instructor, and uh, blacksmith, his name is Jeremiah Bockhaus. Welcome, Jeremiah. Hi. Right, thanks for having me. It's,
1: uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you guys.
0: So for our listeners, you can watch
2: Forged in Fire. Both Jeremy and I went back and watched the Forged in Fire episode that you were on, Jeremiah. So one of the okay. questions I have for you from that is, how wise is, is it when you're forging outside in a coal forge mm-hmm. to go b- grab a big... <laughs> metal ball and say you're going to work on that one for um, three hours uh,
1: it's very unwise okay you know there there are many decisions that can be made that are better than that <laughs> uh yeah so uh a uh, fortune fire champion oh spoiler yes he won he was <laughs> the winner of the episode uh, uh, but my episode is now on disney plus so i i say i'm a disney prince now uh, cause you I'm on you kind of look like a Disney prince. Kind of of... you got the beard. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, never trust a clean-shaven blacksmith. That's a, a rule that I have. So, uh, so yeah, you got to have a big beard. It's, it's part of the image. Makes, so, sense. Makes sense. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun, but I, I tell you what, I went in, prepared for Forged in Fire. I, I built my first forge when I was 11 years old, so I've been working with steel my whole life almost. Uh, but as soon as that clock started ticking down i really started making bad decisions (laughs) so uh so the ball bearing let's avoid those i've since made knives out of ball bearings and i have no problems with it it's just the outside with with no extra tools with
2: a with a coal forge too
1: actually the coal forge didn't bother me okay I, i love i'm a coal forge guy so that's my primary forge at home is a coal forge so that I was very excited to have that. Okay. So I can do I can I, do more work that way.
2: Did I remember correctly from that episode that you had difficulty with the sander as well?
1: Yes. Uh, thanks for bringing that up. Um, any other personal flaws I, that I should be aware I, of that you're going to yeah, highlight for me? I've really watched
2: a lot of Fortune <laughs> Fire.
1: So yeah, um, the grinder that I had up until then was a homemade one. Uh, that, so I did it myself and it was on or off. That was, those are my two options in the episode. They, they spend about 45 minutes walking you around the shop saying, okay, don't do this. Don't touch that. And if you move this, you have to make sure to put it back. So when they say go, all I could think about was the don'ts, you know, I got, I got very law oriented. Don't, you know, <laughs> second use of the law. Don't go there. And, uh, it it took a while for me to remember that, oh, I can make this thing go faster. Right. And, uh, you know, well, s- since then I've gotten better. I, 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 mean, I, I Well,
2: I don't know how much time elapsed. It, I only bring it up because on the show they have the judges make a comment on it that you and another guy, you hey, well, they they should know to turn it up faster and so forth. But it could have been five minutes, but they make it. A
1: lot longer and more dramatic. So Inside Scoop, um, on the second round, that one was about at real time. So it, it was a little bit, but it wasn't all that long. They, uh, the real time cut was in the first round um, where I spent, the, and they make it sound like I spent two hours chasing one thing. Uh, and I always say, I'm, I'm stubborn and I'm dumb. But I'm not that stubborn or that dumb that I'm going to waste two hours chasing something that uh, isn't going to work. Um, so what? I actually only spent half an, half an hour. Oh. So uh, somehow they were able to, to uh, use their computer wizardry to make me say, when I actually said I spent half an hour of this competition and they made it into I spent half of this competition I was uh, a little surprised at how th- seamlessly they were able to do that. That's right. That well, that's what I was
2: thinking. That, that you spent an inordinate amount of time, but it wasn't as
1: it, much. It wasn't. That okay. was that was a little bit of Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> Other inside track. I actually ended up finishing my knife first out of all four.
0: The the uh, what was the name of that Norwegian uh, uh, Ru- uh, not Russian? Good grief! Can I talk <laughs> uh, Viking? Knife. Like it's, a, so it's a sax, a sax, a
1: sax um, also called a scrama sax, um, and it's so it was built on the show as a weapon, and that's kind of what they're playing off of for all the fortune fire. In reality, a, a Scandinavian sax was just a utility knife. It was not necessarily, in fact, there's some documentation we have from the Scandinavian sagas to be killed with a sax was actually a great insult to the person killing. Hmm. So you used like, it's like taking a butter knife, basically. So it was not something, were there exceptions? Yes, there are grand saxes that now we're talking in feet of length, but anything um, that you would regularly carry on your person would be more just like a pocket
0: knife or a utility tool. So uh, Pastor Zarling and I have a—we're uh, on a first-name basis here. Excuse me. Michael yep. and I, were uh, we've got a thing going on that uh, I, he sort of got me hooked on throwing axes, and he said that uh, if I could beat his daughter, Belle, at throwing axes, then I would get his throwing axes in his will. Okay. He's, I get to inherit them. <laughs> um, but he doesn't think I can beat her. I'm wondering if I can just— do an end run around all that would you make me a pair of throwing axes i
1: I can do that actually the 2022 world axe throwing league world champion throws my axes so i make axes that are being seen in the the world axe throwing league um tournaments so what does a what is the price
2: tag on world champion throwing axes
1: (laughs) Well, if you want the world champion one, you're going to have to talk to my buddy over at the Lazy Axe uh, in Albany, New York, okay. um, and that's where his axes are. I don't think he'll ever part with that. No,
2: but what what would it cost? If to... you want to
1: get one from me, um... <laughs> oh, you're really nailing me down here. Cause... I'm just
2: I'm just kind of <laughs> curious. I don't because I've watched yeah. almost every episode well, you got of and Fire. Gift. So well, you but mine are cheap Amazon ones. Okay, and so forth. Yeah. They're not what mm. you guys are talking about. That's what they. That's why I'm curious on yeah because so, because I don't think people realize the time and effort that goes right. into actually making anything by hand.
1: So the price point on my axes um, is starts at three hundred dollars for just the head. So that's before I put any handling on there. Um, I, I tend not to do the handles because in the in the professional axe throwing world, the easiest thing for them to modify is the handle. So there are a lot of different laminate styles, some bamboo wood out there. Whereas I usually just try and put American hickory handles on. It's good, in in my opinion. That's an expendable part of the axe. I'm really concerned about the steel part, but wood, I I, I let other people handle that. So
0: would you make it like? No, his I, art I got the joke there.
2: <laughs> I let other people handle the handle. <laughs> that's a dad joke. <laughs>
1: What don't you guys remember? That was one of the classes at the seminary, right? Is just making dad jokes all the
0: time. I think <laughs> Professor Lyra <Leiber> taught that. <laughs> yeah. uh, so his his our one entire piece. And it's basically like you could, you, yeah. you, you could hit the, the top or the back or even the bottom of the handle. And it would still stick, Ooh, right? So is that is that cheating.
1: That is cheating. Okay, yeah, that's actually you can't use that in uh, world axe throwing league. Oh man, those are those are. That makes me less good at this. Sport. <laughs> and you can't use that to beat a teenage girl.
0: But I thought we're playing with the things that I I'm going to win.
1: I understand. How about how about throwing knives? So I make throwing knives, but there is a, a world knife throwing league, and. Um, you have to buy the official licensed ones they They locked that down hmm. uh, for the international so I, I I can make them for private people uh, but i, I can 't lay claim to making uh, championship quality throwing knives
0: now there was another topic I wanted to bring up, and uh, it is that we 've me- mentioned this before i I directed a play in college. <laughs> <laughs> I was, was wondering if that was going to come. It up. was twelfth night. Well, the reason I'm bringing it up is because we had another guest who was also a cast member, Seth Bodie.
1: Oh, you had Seth on. And he was
0: he was okay. a guest, and we talked. He was about
2: on a little bit. He he kept cutting out with his Wi-Fi
1: and power. He, he, he used some excuse. He wasn't even
0: he wasn't even a blacksmith, and the technology was rebelling against <laughs> yeah. him.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you did direct a play.
0: And, I did, and I was in that play. You were in it as well. He was—he was—I would say even a bigger role than Seth's. Well, I'd like to think so. He was the star. The, the,
1: Sir, he, <laughs> was, he was Sir Toby Belch. Sir Toby Belch—he was. That's one of the highlights of my of my acting career. Actually, was uh, Sir Toby
0: Belch. It he, he was good. It was good. So, well, what, I, what I, was this play? Well, it's a Shakespeare play, so you'd probably get bored really quick. <laughs> <laughs> well I, yeah I don't know anything about Shakespeare. Oh there's a, there's you like You're breaking my heart. There's ah, all kinds okay. of uh identity switching going on there are these this brother and sister that she thinks he's dead and uh she takes on his persona and then uh, ends up falling in love with well, this gentleman that she's serving and then there's this other household that is
1: Yeah, that's the minor part of the play. That's not uh, really important. The really important part is in the other house. The, that's the real meat of the play. It,
0: it a little bit. It's the they're the comedy they're the comedic relief. See,
2: and, when it, taking on someone else's personality, I think of like the Borg in Star Trek the Next Generation, <laughs> but that's probably not the same thing. No. Okay.
1: No. No, there's no locutus involved here. All right. Here. Okay. I am so, very proud of you. Right. That's. <laughs> that's good. I like that. Hey.
2: Well, that's that's my favorite Star Trek: The Next Generation movie. Is that is, one, that's yeah. that one? Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe, that's probably my favorite Star Trek movie. I have
1: a, I have a few uh, nerd creds that I'll 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 dole out. I figured with the with the pre conversation we had, I need to get as many of them out as I can. So, yeah, I'm a Shakespeare guy, but also a Star Wars and Star Trek guy. All um, right. Mandalorian? And... All right. Now I start to fade. Okay. I've, I've not been a big fan of the Mandalorian. I, I am... One of the things that I think made Star Wars so successful— This
0: episode is done. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> —is the relation to uh, Joseph Campbell's uh, Hero of a Thousand Faces. It follows the the progress of what an actual hero does— and then when when disney took over i know i'm a disney prince but i'm not a big fan um they kind of lost the the theme the impactful story that campbell identified as to what draws people into it so um i think the nostalgia is what brings people to the mandalorian and grogurt um not grogurt groku <laughs> Um, I think people are like, oh, it's Baby Yoda, and they get all excited about it. And I'm just like, okay, what's the story? What's, yeah. where's, the, where's the hero going? What's the, uh, w- what's the redeeming quality that's here? What challenge does he have to go over to become the hero that he needs to be? And I find that really lacking in uh, The Mandalorian.
0: I found th- there was one, like, one thing that my pastor and I could agree upon. We, we, the Mandalorian is great. And now you're you're undermining <laughs> our one bonding point that we have.
1: Well, the other part is they start off with an armorer who literally makes armor in front of the client and hands it right away. And I'm here to tell you, as a blacksmith, this is... no, it, it's like at least two years before you're going to get something like that from me. <laughs> okay. So high fantasy right there. Well, and I'll,
2: I'll admit, I, well, that the last episode, I haven't watched this week's episode yet, but the last one, there's been a lot of controversy on how they had Lizzo and Jack Black in it and just taking people out of the story by having these two stars that yeah. can't really act in there because every movie that Lizzo Jack Black... Is in yeah, The Mandalorian? Yes. Mm-hmm. Every episode, every movie that Jack Black is in, he just... He's Jack Black. He's Jack Black, and yeah. he was... And Lizzo was in there, uh, so that, it took me out of the story because I knew they were in there. Yeah. And I still think some episodes, or seasons one and two, were some of the best TV that there was so, because it they they did tell stories. Now there's a lot of callbacks and so forth, sure. which is interesting, but they're not really tying things together. I haven't watched
1: this season yet, so I intend to watch it, but I'm just I'm very critical.
0: So I want to steer this back in the highbrow direction. Okay. Uh so and the funny thing is I'm bringing up Sir Toby Belch. Sir it's Sir, Sir Toby Belch is highbrow for this conversation. That's right. that's pretty sad. Um oh, No, can you can you can you think of a good in order to make it relatable to Michael here? Can can you think of a character that would best sum up is it is it like Archie Bunker, is it like...
1: Uh, no, no, I know exactly where you're going here. What, what yeah,
0: well, uh, would be a good comparison? Well,
1: uh, there was this movie that came out uh, a couple of years ago uh, called Animal House.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Um, that that, uh, that wasn't
0: quite where I was going, but... Oh, that's yeah. where
1: I thought you were going, because that's... No, go for it, go for was, it. That um, was... Uh, John Belushi in Animal House is kind of, is that's, well, actually, that's how you told me to, to base the character on at,
0: that I was to play. In fact, we that. even made the costumes. It was not normal Shakespearean, it was kind of a, mic, m, a mix and match costuming. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And his costume was the college, a, a sweatshirt with the word college across the front,
1: <laughs> which I still have, oh, <laughs> much geez. to my wife's chagrin.
0: Sweet.
2: <laughs> See, I I was going through some clothes this week, and I pulled out my Northwestern Trojans Red intermural's Champion T-shirt, and I told my wife, Shelly, I said, I am planning on keeping this shirt until I die. <laughs> and she just shook her head. I, I wore it last year to the uh, 25th anniversary down in San Antonio, no, just okay. for two reasons: one, to say that I still had it; more importantly, to show all my classmates I could fit into it <laughs> because they couldn't. Not, not they couldn't fit into mine. They couldn't fit into whatever the size they Ooh, were right, in college. Right,
0: right. Have you? So, have you seen Animal House? I have. Okay, so you would know. Yeah, that-
2: I am very highbrow, Jeremy. I've <laughs> seen Animal House.
1: I mean, it, but it, Sir Toby Belch is still. Shakespeare, so he still is highbrow. I mean, we're still, sure. we're not going for sure. low-hanging fruit here. I have a question for you, Jeremiah. Okay. It's a
2: question we haven't asked our guests in a very long time. Okay. How, are you related in any way to Jeremy? Am I related? Yes. No. All right. So no. the reason I ask is, uh, I went to my, I, I went to a funeral in Watertown, Wisconsin this week, and outside of the bathroom, I met our district president. Okay. And I was talking to him there, and I realized, oh my goodness, the reason he's there is because so, that I'm related. So the way this works is that my wife's sister's husband is the cousin of the wife of the district president, who is the uncle of Abby <laughs> Leighton who is married to Jeremy Lightnin, so, therefore, right. in the Wells, Jeremy and I are like blood brothers. You are.
1: You are. You are. So, all right. This is my like, favorite game to play because uh, I always lose uh, Wells Connection. And I always lose because I'm actually born and raised in Alaska. So, uh, I didn't know that there was such a thing as a synod until I was 13 so i had no idea uh, about that so i was working metal before i understood about uh, uh doctrinal teaching but it's kind of fun to be like hey do you know do you know and and then next thing you know you end up being yeah pretty much related but uh
0: so you got to be careful who you date
1: yeah <laughs> well i i well i have to now cuz i'm married and yeah. you know <laughs> um, but it was safe all through high school cuz i did, i knew i wasn't related to anybody Um, And uh, I also am not Finnish at all, so that keeps me pretty pretty clear from being related.
0: Actually, I found out it's, I think, less than 20% of my family gene pool is... It. It's just oh, yeah. the name. It's just the name. It's just the name. All
1: right. Well, you're you're bearing it strong. I, but, I appreciate so, it. It's, it's legit.
0: So with the name, that's another
2: question I yeah. have for you. What's in a name? When you went to high school mm-hmm. with Jeremy, did you have any good pun nicknames that you had for for Jeremy? Based on Lightning?
1: Uh No. Okay. Honest honestly not. I didn't um so for as much as we're talking highbrow stuff right now, Jeremy, uh, uh, was a very smart guy, and and was is. oh is <laughs> it, it, okay. it is I'm getting there I'm getting there I'm uh, speaking in, in in back in the day I was not so I was actually very intimidated by Jeremy and knowing that he was a Wells uh, family name and I was an outsider I was like nope I'm not gonna I. I it was mostly just Leighton.
0: That was what we called you. Was Leighton. Uh, so. You've never asked me this. If if you would have asked me this, I could have told you. Uh, Unless kind I of, forgot. No, no, no. Uh, they they would uh, kind of tweak the pronunciation a little bit. My dad wouldn't like this, but for many reasons. One of them is uh, that I would show up to like choir rehearsals or choir engagements not punctually and so there were people that called me late again latening oh i'm going to write that one down <laughs> <Yeah>. but, <it's, laughs> uh, but that's but that's you, that won't play on your light theme oh, that's like true. that's it's that that that's my my grandpa my dad's dad would say latening and then i my dad just decided the Finnish way is lightening Oh, okay. So now now it's 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 the now it's all his light puns. Yes. Okay. Yeah.
2: So the reason I'm asking too is I'm starting to run out of lightning puns to end the podcast. But no matter what, I still lasted way longer than Jeremy did with M, M names and Z names. Yeah. And and I keep doing it because I think it's funny. And yeah, no one else sure. may, but I think <laughs> it's funny. So I'm well, going to keep doing it as long as I can.
1: I've been telling my uh, catechism classes that I make jokes because I... I think they're funny. I I really don't care if anybody else laughs. I I do it for me. So so more power to you. I mean, you can just be the zarling of the show if that's how you want to do it. Um as you're enlightening all of us. There you go. So, enlightening. You know, I, yeah. I'm sure I've Maybe, used that one somewhere. Uh, I don't know. I, I haven't mean, listened to
0: all of them. Or yeah, you could uh wield a lightning you could wield a lightning saber. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. And I can show you how to do that if you want to. I'm sure you could. So besides uh, besides all the, I don't know, I feel like I hijacked it. Let's talk about me, guys. Um, well, that's what we do for the first, right, 20, the first minutes. 20 minutes. first 20 minutes, you get to talk about you. But uh, now
2: we're at 21. We're so.
1: at 21. All right, I'm out. <laughs> but I also teach uh, sword right. fighting. So that's another thing that I do.
0: You know, we can spin this a little bit religiously. Yeah. Uh, you, you told me once that you are pretty sure you knew the... Well, we, what we learned in uh, seminary church history class was that uh, one of the things that kind of uh, was a jo- jolting, jarring episode in Martin Luther's life was when he injured himself with mm-hmm. a sword yes, and got an infection, and was a, it was kind of like the lightning striking the tree or whatever. He that almost died from it, yeah. He almost died from it. And, uh, and I remember you telling me that you felt pretty confident you knew what move yep. was... It, 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 guilty of inflicting this sword wound on him. Yeah,
1: yeah. So uh, a European medieval Renaissance longsword is anywhere from like 43 to 48 inches overall length. And then so we read the story about, oh, he stabbed himself in the leg. How stupid can you be to do that? Um, but the thing is during, the, during his time, we remember his dad was trying to climb the social status ladder. So getting your son in with a fencing master... Um, is kind of climbing. It, it's actually a little left-handed climbing, if I can use the term, because uh, fencers were also seen as kind of the ruffians. But if you had a legitimate licensed master, then you can say that you're learning this from the guy who taught this lord or this whatever. So, uh, but there's a technique called half sorting, wherein you you grab your your sword by the hilt, but then go approximately a third to a half length up the blade. And you can move your sword around, but if you move the wrong way and step, you put the point of this 48-inch sword right into your thigh. Um, And the reason I became so convinced that I did that is because, or I knew, is because I did that. Mm. I accidentally stepped stepped wrong with a steel training sword that I had, and it's blunted, thankfully. But I had this a, a deep tissue bruise right in the top of my thigh because I had I had done that technique incorrectly.
2: So, talking about these swords and so forth, you must really be one of the uh, very popular people at the Renaissance fair. Uh, uh,
1: no, okay. <laughs> I, I would like to think so, but um, <laughs> Renaissance fairs don't really like me because I spend my time in the history books, and I tend to I, I talk about the reality of things and and you know how is this sword actually used, and I. Most of when I engage in a sparring match or a fight, it's over within 10 to 15 seconds. And that's not very entertaining, which is what the Renaissance Fair is all about. Um, And do I make jokes? Yeah, while I'm doing it. But the Renaissance Fair is more about escapism than it is about actual Renaissance era stuff. So I've I've done demonstrations at Renaissance Fairs before, um, but never really well received by it. So I'm sorry to let you down on that no, no, one.
0: I, I, I've heard that said about Renaissance fairs before. That people who are like actually kind of history buffs are like, "This isn't the Renaissance." And mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's kind of more like a this is fantasy medievalish type of.
1: Yeah, it's it's an ish. It's fun. Yeah. It's a lot. Of, I got to meet the, the glassblower at the, uh, uh, the Renaissance Fair down here. Uh, this last summer had a really lovely conversation with him he's got uh, glass that he blew that's in the White House and it was really kind of fun because he and I ended up exchanging information and, and signatures with each other because he was a fan of Forged and Fire and I'm a fan of his work so I mean there's there's really a lot of joy in it but um, yeah I'm not as popular as okay. and then I tried to get in as a blacksmith there too and that circuit is just so tight that there's, there's no breaking into it. So, yeah, I, I kind of understand myself. Uh, I know we're over time. I'm sorry, well, Jeremy.
0: Well,
2: I was just thinking, but, should, we, should we break into the gospel lesson? <laughs>
0: He's actually the one giving social cues to me right now. Yeah, well, let's,
2: let's break <laughs> into the gospel lesson.
0: Yes. This is John 20. On the evening of that first day of the week, the disciples were together behind locked doors because of their fear of the Jews. Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. Just as the Father has sent me, I am also sending you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, "Ah, Receive the Holy Spirit. I have to do that every time. That's how my, that's, do you do
2: that when you read the gospel my lesson? My dad taught that to us okay. in
0: catechism class. Jesus breathed on them and said, "Receive them." Uh, Whenever you forgive people's sins, they are forgiven. Whenever you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. But Thomas, one of the twelve, the one called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples kept telling him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger into the mark of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. After eight days his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Take your hand and put it into my side. Do not continue to doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus, in the presence of his disciples, did many other miraculous signs that are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So, Jeremiah...
2: There's all these reports that are coming in about Jesus' resurrection Mm -hmm. from Mary Magdalene and the women, Peter and John, and and while I was reading uh, the gospel lesson on Easter Sunday, I was thinking of how—I don't know if it's a jerky move— of John saying, "Well, there was this one disciple, and he 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 ran first, but he waited outside because the older
1: Peter was slower." It's not a jerk because he was like, "There's this other disciple, you know, the one who Jesus loved." He wasn't naming names. Yeah. <laughs> he, it's not a jerk. move. Yeah. it's it's he's got, good. It,
2: and, I, and then I shared the meme on on Sunday afternoon of. Uh, you know, Captain America passing the winter felt or um, uh, the falcon the, the falcon, yeah, you know, on your don't left, say it, don't say it, yeah, on your left, and that's what I was thinking yeah. while I was reading that. Both <laughs> services, but anyhow, Peter and Peter and John, uh, why were if they if they've been told that Jesus has risen, why are they still hiding behind locked doors, not going out looking for him?
1: You know, it it, it seems like with, with eyes of piety, we can look back and be like, come on, guys, why are you hiding? You're, you're being kind of absurd. Like, Jesus said he's coming. The, the, there's a report. It's kind of like in our own little circles when we're all talking about something. Did you know this happened? Did you know that happened? Um, but the rest of the world maybe doesn't know all that um and first of all i want to say uh we're friends on facebook your meme game is strong so especially on easter i really enjoyed that one thank you um but that also kind of plays in because we're looking at one specific aspect of that yeah they were waiting inside the locked room but let's also not forget that there were those other people who literally just killed the son of god um who had swords and who were looking for people who knocked out the guards who were watching and stole the body. So who also could recognize them just by the way that they talked? So I think that when we take in the totality of the historical setting of where they were, it's not all that surprising. Yeah, Jesus is back, but those guys are still trying to kill us. So maybe let's just hide out in our room for a little bit, and uh, maybe if he's back, he'll come give us some orders, you know?
2: Right. Yeah, and a couple of things I was thinking of with that. One is, they may not have necessarily believed in the promise of the resurrection, but they certainly believed in Jesus' promise that there was going to be persecution for them.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, they had every evidence to believe that one, for sure.
2: Right, and let's... We, we should give the disciples some credit because they they were out and about. You know, at that time they mm-hmm. were hiding, but Peter and John are out, Thomas is out, and maybe the other disciples were out and about. But at that moment, they were behind locked doors.
1: And I think we give them credit that they're still hanging out together. Yeah. You know, watch a, watch a gangster movie after something goes sideways. What's the first thing they do? <laughs> They spread. They go as far as because if the if the soldiers come down on one room, they're going to get all of them. So the fact that they were together, I think, is also kind of a statement of faith that you know, hey, we're going to cling together and, and to the promise. That might be a little speculative on my side, but um, but I, I think you're right when we give them credit where where credit is due.
2: One of the things too for our listeners who are from Water of Life. Uh, one of the paintings that we have at the Racine campus is of this scene in the upper room on Easter evening, and just to look at that painting and the artist specifically has the the door locked there 's mm-hmm. a big beam across it uh to so so people can see that in yeah. those in those paintings and and any other kind of artwork so Jeremy, each of the four gospels has Near its end a commission to share the good news. what is the commission here in john's Gospel?
0: The use of the keys what does that mean your, yeah uh, well, it's that uh we have the right and responsibility to unlock sins for people and to lock sins for people um, this was uh if if I could just share a story it was it was a really neat passage that I got to use one time that there were there were some uh visitors to our church in Kansas who had uh definitely come from a more reformed or radical uh background uh radical reformed or protestant background uh and they heard the part in the service where I told the congregation I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. And amen. And they uh they seemed like really nice people and they kind of seemed interested in our church but they said that that was that was we have a real problem with that because um it's only god who can forgive mm-hmm. sins and i said well let's take a look at what god's word says and so i, I opened up to john 20 right here and uh, it, we read through it together with them and uh, it was like just flipping a switch in their minds that suddenly they were like oh okay that's why you did that and yeah.
1: Yeah, I have a I have a similar story where I met with a, a woman of a Baptist train mm-hmm. and she had and she said, There's nothing you can say that'll teach me o- or tell me otherwise And I was like, Okay, so you clearly don't want to hear what God's Word has to say on this subject. You know, but 'cause 'cause I go to Mark two. Where uh, I start off right there and then come back here. Because in yeah. Mark chapter 2, that's where we get the guy getting lowered through the roof. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. Oh, he said the sins are forgiven. And, uh, you know, he talks about how he's the son. And so he can do that. And to prove that I'm the son and I have the power to do this, get up and walk. And he does. Now we come back to John where where Jesus says, as I was sent, so I'm <sighs> sending you. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a connectivity between God the Father and the implementation of the binding and the loosing key. Mm-hmm. We really see a a connection here. And I have a similar
2: story <laughs> because I remember you know, being a fresh out of the seminary guy down in Radcliffe, Kentucky, and one of our it was a first time visitor, uh, Cindy who she didn't know anything really about Christianity, even though her husband had been confirmed Missouri synod, and he had started coming to our church. Mm-hmm. And Cindy said the same thing after that first service. She stopped me after the service and said, how can you forgive sins? I thought only God can forgive sins. And yeah, it's, it's this special right and privilege that God gives to us in the church for the three of us. Uh, corporately, but then also individually, that each Christian Mm -hmm. has this. So then I guess I would ask you this question, Jeremiah, because you were talking to me before we started recording about teaching catechism class today. Do you get to the Ministry of the Keys? Because I think, sadly, this is something that's missed because it's later on, the catechism, yeah. and it's kind of forgotten about because you spend so sure. much time on the creed and the commandments and so forth, and the sacraments, all very important, but I think sometimes the ministry of the yeah. keys gets short shrift.
1: Oh, it totally does. It it, it totally does, and but honestly, in our circles, the the ministry of the keys is a corporate thing. And so we're kind of used to this phrase of, I forgive you all your sins, and... And we move on. It's all good. Okay, this is normal. So yes, um, in my catechism class, I did get to talk about the ministry of the keys and how important it is, and understanding that. And uh, and I really, with my kids, I've got I've got six of them in there, and I really tackled this issue kind of head on. It's like, who are you to be able to speak like that, and and who are you to make that judgment? And I said, can I? go and tell somebody who is deliberately sinning and, and holding to that sin and refusing to be led by God's word, can I look at them and say, your sins are forgiven and expect that to be an effective thing? I said, no, I, I can't. I can, I can err, err as I announce this use of the keys. What I'm doing in my forgiveness is recognizing what God says about this person. And so I'm not beholden to free use of this keys and just, you know, sprinkle it along the streets and be like, everyone's forgiven, la-di-da-di-da. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I want to do, mm-hmm. uh, with maybe without the la-di-das, mm-hmm. you know, but it, it is subject... You, lo- you look like a kind of a la-di-da type of guy. <laughs> I, I have is. a face that's just built for podcasts, so... <laughs> Uh, but it's beholden to what God says as to how I can use these keys, and that's important in the ministry of the keys, is to guide people in that recognition, so that we can effectively and properly use them. Mm. You got all you got all up on the mic, Jeremy. What no, you, no, you're...
0: just yeah. That's always something that I, like it's true. You could you you could you, you said erroneously use the keys if you were just running down the street corners yelling. Your your sins are forgiven. You, your, Oprah, your sins are right, forgiven. Right. Your sins are forgiven. Uh, it, it, that that would be. See, it, this is what happens when you
2: don't spend your time in Shakespeare. You start you go start going to Oprah. To Oprah. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, you're even if you even if you say the, the the wrong thing at the wrong time, Jesus still puts his seal of approval on it. He says, "Whatever you bind on earth will be." I, I'll Give my seal of approval in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, I will endorse mm-hmm. that in heaven. And and I guess the way that I've come to grips with that is that even if I'm saying that to a bunch of people who are uh manifestly impenitent, um I don't know that, but I'm just saying that to them. Right, the, right. The fact is still true that they are forgiven. It's just that they have not they have not appropriated right, it. Right. Now we're I'm, talking I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not saying a false thing.
1: Correct. You're not talking, uh, now we're talking a difference between objective and subjective justification. So, and that's, that's important as we discuss the keys as well. So
2: one of the things that I talked about this morning in our WLS admin meeting was that next school year, I suggested that we have to be proactive with our families instead of reactive. Because our parents, and they can be member parents too, are really hard on our administration and our teachers. Mm-hmm. They just hammer them sure. and and so what i what I suggested is we need to teach parents how to be parents, uh, how to treat their their parent, how to treat their faculty and so forth, but even how to forgive their sins of their stu- of their children mm-hmm. and I told the story. Uh, to the admin today is I remember doing a Bible study once with some parents and afterwards one of the parents who had their child in our school from kindergarten through eighth grade but wasn't a member they came up to me privately afterwards and said pastor we've never told our daughter I forgive you not once that it, was, wow. it was just not in their vocabulary and that's why i'm wondering you know you guys can pick up on that is why is this so important for us you know i, I, I like spending some time on this because i think our listeners need to know why this is so vital for jesus to breathe on them <laughs> to say i forgive you and i want you to go with this yeah. elsewhere
1: yeah hold on uh, jeremy i'm sorry we're gonna go over time Um, well, we we don't, I'm just going to throw that out there. We don't have to get into the epistle lesson. I think we can spend a lot of time on this. (laughs) You mean we're going to linger on the gospel? What? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. This concept of, of forgiveness of sins and all that kind of stuff. Um, you talked about, uh, Easter just a little bit ago. And so I'm going to, forgive me if it's a shoehorn, but I'm going to shoehorn because we, uh, if we remember the, the uh, epistle lesson for Easter morning, um, was from First Corinthians about uh, celebrating um, celebrating this festival by casting out the old yeast, right, or the chametz. Um, I actually studied my Hebrew for that one, you know. Um, but the, uh, our Evangelical Heritage version of of the Bible here, the EHV, I think, is superior to the NIV because it says, "Let us keep celebrating." It's got that that present. Imper- uh, present subjunctive. We're going to keep doing this continually. And we're going to keep celebrating this festival by throwing out that old stuff and looking towards the new stuff that's full of sincerity and truth. And what is the sincerity and truth? That you're forgiven. And that you're forgiven. This is where you guys tell me I'm forgiven too. And
0: you're forgiven too.
1: All right. Thank you. Yes. So when we when we recognize that we are to uh, go out as Jesus on us and say, "This is Easter," Jesus did that. You're forgiven. That that it all ties together as and as we live in that grace, as we live in that gospel, and reminding people that their sins are forgiven. You know what we're doing? We're doing exactly what. Paul says in Philippians, where we're thinking about whatever is good, pure, noble, praiseworthy, upright. We're thinking about Jesus, who is all of those things. And suddenly the gospel becomes something that we appropriate, to use the church word, every day. And then as we appropriate it, we've got so much, we've got a, a super abundance. And now we start handing it out to other people.
2: So I was listening to a podcast last night while I was biking home from my daughter's soccer game, and one of the pastors on the podcast had mentioned that what he does on Holy Thursday is they celebrate the sacrament, obviously, Mm -hmm. but what they do then is they celebrate private confession. So the whole congregation goes through the order of private confession in the hymnal, and then each family comes up and receives individual forgiveness, absolution from the pastor. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to pick your brains on that. What What do you think is the benefit of something like that? Because what they were saying is that Luther was always against taking private confession and make it corporate, like we've done.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I've, I actually did a conference paper on this once. Um, no, not entire, not entirely true. Okay. Um, he definitely wanted to keep private confession, uh-huh. and and that's why I think it's good that we reinstitute that. Uh, but they they had even in um, even in Reformation era times they had churches that did it corporately, uh, and so there's nothing wrong with that either, and that's a good a good practice, and we should keep it up. It's it's a very Lutheran practice, um, but uh, yeah. What were you gonna say? <laughs>
1: Well, I was going to um I was listening to you with rapt attention so it kinda, I kind of I kind of wandered a little bit. But no, I I'm, I'm with you. He 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 wasn't um he was against getting rid of it. And I think it's it's a, an extremely modern thing that we've gotten rid of it and turned only to corporate. And to that I think honestly it's not that we got rid of it. It just became a, we don't want to be Catholic, hmm. yeah, um, Roman Catholic. Let me let me clarify. We don't want to be Roman Catholic with this box that you come into. My office door is open. Hmm. I'm willing to bet that both of your office doors are open. The outside church door is locked, but my church office door right. is open. <laughs> but, um, I mean, the practice even up into uh, some of our professors would be that if you wanted to come to communion on sunday you would come and knock on the pastor's door on saturday and that would be private confession at that time so it is something that that even in the 20th century existed i don't know that it existed into the 21st century in our circles um largely but it is something that is there and we and we there's extreme value in it whether it's the pastor the the pastoral office that does it but also that individual to individual, as we, as the family of Christ, forgive each other.
2: And what this pastor mentioned is that his confirmands have to come in and do private confession with him. And then he mm-hmm. joked on the podcasting, I know that's law-oriented, that they have to come in, but he said what he's had in the past on these students, that they come in and they do private confession, and then later on in life, say they're at college or young adults, they come in and they say, Pastor, can we do that? Confession thing again, <laughs> but I don't think even though our church doors may be open, our office doors are open. A lot of our members don't do this because they don't know about it. They don't know the benefit of private confession yeah. and private absolution. And that's why I am trying to bring this up because and spend a lot of time on this
0: because it is good. It is beneficial. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I tried. I tried doing something along those lines when at both of my parishes that. Uh, whenever we had a youth confirmation that I would kind of just say, I would try not to make it, like you said, law-oriented, that you shall come in. and But I, I would say, I, w- I would sit down with each confirmand, uh, you know, eighth grader or whatever, uh, in in a meeting before confirmation and say, um, I'd like it if we would have a, a meeting every so often mm-hmm. and, and it, that you would come in and talk to me about what's going on in your life and it, not even making it about you're going to confess to me and tell me everything that you've done wrong over the last six months, but right. just say, uh, just tell me what's going on in your life. Let's let's talk. Let's get to know each other. And uh, there there were a couple that uh, is sort of more bit on it than others did. And and um, I I would say, do do you want to come in every month or do you want to come in? four times a year, or how often do you want to come in? Mm-hmm. And I would leave that up to them. And it, I think that's a little more gospel-oriented because you're saying you're putting the ball in their court and letting them decide. And uh, there, there were some that, av- that, that took advantage of it, and I thought I, we got a pretty good relationship going. Well, you you think, didn't
2: just, you just, just walk think, up behind them in the class and say, I think you really need to come talk to me. <laughs> you just take your hand
1: and put it right on their <laughs> shoulder and say, I think you hit the nail on the head right at the right at the very end there. Mm. The key is the relationship. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. f- frankly, by the time we, all three of us are nerds, okay? Let's just be honest about it. okay? Um, so we spend a lot of time in our books. We spend a lot of time learning all this stuff. We read philosophy for fun. Define a nerd. for we me. Translate, okay. uh, translate yeah.
0: languages and
1: dead languages. And, yeah. or yes, just, or, I love or just it.
2: decide. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna study Russian for the fun well, of right, it. Right. You
1: know. что yalu blue русский язык. It's beautiful. Um,
0: what's your What's your nerd touch point? Star Wars. Okay.
1: <laughs> all right, that's kind of basic. I, but I, I did
2: right. I did begin and end my book with Princess bride quotes and then filled up filled up the rest of the book with about 125 (laughs) other quotes (laughs)
1: oh don't say that Fitzini um sorry that's the one that came to mind anyway it's about the relationship and so because because we as pastors or I'm pastoral assistant I kind of fall in I call myself a Swiss army pastor I do a lot of different things but I'm not actually pastor um but it's about developing that relationship because we're so nerdy or smart, however you want to put it, that sometimes we can intimidate people. And so I spent a lot of time with my kids just going, I love you. I care about you. In fact, uh, the lesson that I had uh, yesterday was I sat down and I, I were going through um, the fourth commandment. And I said, oh, you know, it's, I can't remember the ver- the reference exactly, but it's, you know, listen to your t- authorities as one who's going to give an account. Hmm. And I said, there's going to come a day when I have to stand before Almighty God and talk about you.
0: And and how well I taught or failed to teach you. Right. Yeah. And And so the relationship
1: that we have is super important to me. And hopefully you care about how I'm going to talk to God about you. Um, but keeping that relationship open above the information, because, I mean, you you and I are going to have a dude waiting at the gates of heaven, and we're going to have to decline 50 strong German verbs before we can go in, all right? that's That's what we got. But those kids, they aren't going to have to pass some test. They're not going to say, well, okay, what's the fourth commandment, and what does this mean? You know they got to know about Jesus and they got to know about the forgiveness that they have that they have because of Him, and that's what we get to give and and so the relationship where they can come with their sins and talk to us, and we can point it back to Jesus. That's that's what it's all
0: about. So can you explain the uh, dude demanding fifty strong German <laughs> verb conjugations?
1: I, I can. I kind of wanted to leave that as a teaser for everybody, but um, yeah. So we both took German in college. Uh, excuse me, high school and college, and uh, our our sainted professor, Daniel Deutschlander. You might know him from his books as in uh, Theology of the Cross and many others, uh, mph.org. The the Lutheran Um, Middle Road. The Narrow Lutheran Middle Middle Road. um, All kinds of wonderful Deutschlander-isms, but he used to tell us in our German classes that he gave us 50, 50 German strong verbs, and he said, I'm going to be there at the pearly gates before you can go in, and you have to get all of them right. <laughs> and,
0: that was his laugh. That was that was, <laughs> yeah,
1: it was a very bad uh, interpretation. But. All right, so let's switch gears a little bit
2: here, Jeremiah. How yeah. could fearful disciples both... Those disciples then, but even disciples today, how could they carry out this work of going out and forgiving people's sins? Uh,
1: you know, I, I I appreciate that you sent me the questions that you were going to ask me beforehand, though I kind of felt like I was preparing for a catechism examination week again.
0: <laughs> He's always the question <laughs> you asker. Know? He just never has to answer um,
1: and the, the, one that, the word that I keyed off of here was fearful. Um, and it's... Who do we fear? You know, who do we fear the most? And, of course, as I just said, we were going over the Fourth Commandment, so we're in the commandment section for catechism, so I am definitely got ingrained. We should fear and love God. So, um, and trust him to start off with the very beginning. So how can fearful disciples do that? Understand, who do I fear more? Do I fear the guys who can put a, a sword through me and make me go see Jesus? Or do I fear him who can destroy both body and soul? Okay, so let's orient my fear properly. um, Because pain is just temporary. But that which waits for me on the other side of the veil, that's eternal. And that's Jesus. So I'm pretty big on on make sure we talk about where your focus actually is. So how can a fearful thing do?
0: Just speaking of Herr Pastor Deutschlander, that I it 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 was years later after I was out of his classroom that it finally sunk in that he was explaining to us what it means to fear God because that's always the big tension. What does fear yeah. God mean? Yep. Do you, are you afraid of him? Are you terrified of him? And it, that's what he he was saying all those times in class when he would say Luther took God seriously. Yeah. Or that that yep. uh, when you take God seriously. It was. It was that. That's the. That's the best definition of fear. Mm-hmm. That you take it seriously when God says something. Mm-hmm. You take. You take God seriously when when His word tells you this or that, uh, and and then you can then it works both ways because you take it seriously. If He makes a threat, you take the threat seriously. Yep. If He makes a promise of forgiveness and eternal life, you take you, that seriously too. Exactly. Exactly.
2: Yeah. And so, what I was thinking with this question was. Not saying your question was wrong, Jeremiah, but what I was thinking though of is the Holy Spirit they have, yeah. that Jesus breathes on them the Holy Spirit, and so you don't need to be afraid because you have the Holy Spirit in you mm-hmm. and there there I think about applying it to myself is you know for our listeners that I have a call to go to California yeah and and people say, well, you know, why go to California because it's you know they say kami. <laughs> And, you know, someone not, said not. to me, Pastor, they'll make you liberal out there. I said, I live in Racine for 19 years.
1: If that hasn't done it, and then... Well, I have some California contacts that can keep you not not liberal. Yeah. Maybe not the best Lutheran, but I have some that will keep you not not liberal.
2: But But the key is, the beautiful thing is that whatever I do with this call, it's God's will. Yeah, God will take care of a church in Modesto if I'm there or not. God will take care of a church in Racine if I'm here or not. Right. And the Holy Spirit's going to bless the work no matter where one person is or isn't. And that's, sure. that just calms every fear. And that the, you have the Holy Spirit with you no matter what. And, yeah. and I think too, this is elsewhere, but where Jesus says, "You, know, when you don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say," and and there I think of so many times I've been in a situation where I don't know what to say, and then you know, like a counseling situation where it is just going south, yeah. and then I say stuff, and then afterwards the couple goes, "That was really good, Pastor," and and I say, "Yeah, it was really good," but <laughs> I I knew that didn't. Where did that come yeah, from? Yeah, it wasn't from it wasn't from <laughs> me. That was. Because I didn't go into the meeting knowing those words, they right. came
1: out, right. and that's that's the Holy Spirit. Well, and that's the blessing of the, uh, you yeah. know, absolutely. Um, so we, I just keyed off of something different, and that's kind of one of the beautiful
0: yeah. things that you know between. No, the... no, you got the answer wrong. I got right. Well, am <laughs> sorry.
2: Again, I'll bring this up to for our listeners from Water of Life for the painting. Again, look at the, the little flame. Mm-hmm. Uh, where in the upper room, a little oil lamp, and there's the flame is just moving a little bit. You you yeah. wouldn't notice it unless I try and point it out every time yeah. that this gospel comes up that the artist, because I talk really closely with the artist creating these paintings, and say, yeah, he's breathing out the Holy Spirit. Just move that a little bit. Yeah, and then yeah. Um, how did Jeremy? How did Jesus deal with Thomas with his doubting?
0: Well first of all uh in in many ways I'd like to say that we are uh, too hard on Thomas with calling him doubting Thomas. Oh sure. Uh but then also I like to say in other ways we're not hard enough uh because the the Greek word actually for what Jesus tells him is stop being an unbeliever. It's 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 <laughs> stop yeah, like, being
2: stop stop disbelieving. Ta- stop yeah.
0: disbelieving. Um now does that mean he had lost faith and he would have gone to hell if he had died in that moment? I don't know if I'm ready to say that, but uh at the very least he was disbelieving words about Jesus and if you are if if you if you do that long enough and hard enough, you'll make a habit of it and it will it will kill your faith. Um but I, I actually kind of kind of got a, a neat little speaking of listening to podcasts uh I, I was listening to an episode of one that I like to hear uh I, as I was driving here and I thought, oh man, that'll fit really nicely into talking about Thomas because it was talking about it actually had to do with common theme of this podcast, which is transgender movement <laughs> and talking about the Okay. Th- 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 right. Trust me, All if right. you if you played bingo with our pot with the Thirsty Podcast Transgenderism mm-hmm. and, okay. and LGBTQ would be okay. one of the boxes that you would All right. need to check. I,
1: I, so I listened to two prepping for this, and and did that. Uh, did that not and it, it didn't come up.
0: Oh my goodness! That, those must have been rare. So,
1: or no, no. I'm sorry. It did come up. It was
0: one. Sorry, well, I, I, I forgot 30%. about. it. Right, sorry. <laughs> yep. All right.
1: Fair enough. That's the middle square.
0: But it, the 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 people on this episode were talking about how we figure out what reality is and they were saying it was from evolution that we have developed five senses uh but we would say god has given us and created us with Mm -hmm. five senses and it's never just one sense that that tells us what is true and what is real Mm -hmm. you put together you know touch and smell and taste and auditory and visual and that tells you what's real and their point was having to do with how uh when you're analyzing somebody's identity it's not sufficient just to say what do you feel about yourself and and that's how we're going to decide what okay. you are uh yeah. and that's that's what that's what people do with transgenderism they're saying you 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 just, we're going to only go with one sense. We're going to go with what you feel about yourself. No, Mm -hmm. we have to go with a bunch of senses. We have to go with uh, what other people perceive you and and what's biological and so forth. Um, And I guess where I'm going with all of this is Jesus was, I think sometimes we're too hard on Thomas because uh, Jesus met him where he was at. And he said, Thomas, you need to have your other senses brought into play here. You need to have your your sense of touch and your sense of sight, and uh, it's not just hearing it. That should be good enough because there are other human beings who had all of their five senses tell them that I'm alive again, but now uh, I'm going to give you what you need most, which is to uh, make physical contact and see for yourself that I'm truly alive.
2: With that physical contact, I wanted to bring up for our listeners to go mm-hmm. Google this image. You guys probably know this of Caravaggio. Uh, it's one of the most famous mm-hmm. paintings of this, and and I explained this in my catechism class the other day as we we studied this, and I. Uh, I said, and I and I actually physically took one of the kid's hands and made him feel uncomfortable. And I said, mm-hmm. you look at that painting, and Caravaggio, the artist, has Jesus' left hand grabbing Thomas's right hand and pulling it into him, Mm-mm. so that Thomas's finger is actually in his side, pulling the skin away. His finger's in there, mm-hmm. and again, our painting has that same imagery, not quite that that close he's like an inch or two away from jesus body but that that whole thing of you want to you know i I, putting words in jesus mouth of thomas you wanted to feel my my wound here you go put it in
1: there Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i i um i love the painting I love the painting, and I love that um and and i, I kind of wanna bite on the the transitional topic there but i want i'm also gonna stay on focus with thomas okay <laughs> uh, or didymus my buddy didymus um yeah it's the so i i deal with steel, you know I can trust that the knife that I made is good. Or the blade that I made is good, but sometimes all I got to do is, or sometimes I have to break it in order to look at the grain structure to understand a more scientific side of it. And uh, I, I kind of see that. I was, I'm really glad that you started off by saying we're really hard on him, but maybe we shouldn't be because I think we are. I mean, doubting Didymus, but I mean, we all go through periods of doubt, even pastors go through periods of doubt. Okay, let's be honest. OK, um, and so for people to have an example of weakness in the scriptures and then see how Jesus deals with him. It, yeah, we're going to be harsh with people a little bit like stop being a bonehead. All right. Believe. um, But I can say that. I mean, there are some things you can't say in love, but there are some things you can say in love that are firm. Mm-hmm. And so Stop not believing and believe. Put your hand here. Yeah, he's meeting Thomas where he's at, and he's showing him love, and he's giving him that proof. And you know what? Frankly, there are some people who are believers who need a little bit of that. Who need that? You know, they need to have that splonk nidsomai, that moving of the kidneys to 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 feel the presence of the Spirit. Do we all need that? No. That's good. Blessed are those who don't need that but you you need it you get it you believe praise jesus one of the things i bring up with this too with thomas
2: you know like you said jeremy you can be too hard on him but i remind people of when jesus is going to go to bethany and the disciples are afraid for jesus because it's right outside of jerusalem mm-hmm. and yet thomas is the one who steps who steps up and speaks out and says let us go with him so that we may die with him. Mm-hmm. So he's not the doubting Thomas there. Right. Uh, and you know, something that you were saying, Jeremiah, made me think of this uh, that Jeremy and I talked about this in a different, in a previous podcast about just the tone. You can't hear the tone, just mm-hmm. like in a text or an email. And that's why, I, I, again, I teach people anger management. Don't ever write anything whether it's a text or an email, that can be taken negatively because people naturally read it negatively. And so I wonder, do we read Jesus' words negatively? Stop doubting and believe. Instead of, like you, what I was picking up from you is, stop doubting and believe. You know, I can't say it with real, you guys were the actors (laughs) in your play, but, (laughs) you know, to say it with that compassion is, uh, you know, instead of a law, stop doubting and believe, but compassion. Absolutely. You know? yeah.
1: Absolutely. And that's why I think we, when we read our Bibles, I, I'm very careful to reread the text when I'm going to go up in front and preach. I reread it a, a, a number of times to be like, where's the emphasis here? So I don't stand up and go. So, so you don't say emphasis. Well, sometimes I put the emphasis on the wrong syllable, and, you know, <laughs> people start throwing bananas at me. But... Uh, You know, I don't get up there and be like, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. You know, that's a very uh, monotone. Can I interrupt you? Because
2: what you were saying there, I remember I was a senior vicar in Whitefish Bay, not knowing anything, and there was a retired pastor there. And I was trying to read it with some emphasis, like I try and do now. Uh And the pastor was saying, you know... It's really good when people are reading the scriptures. They just let it, just read it. You know, there's, don't put emphasis in it. The Holy Spirit works. And I didn't know, I didn't know until later on. Well, he was kind of ripping on me. Yeah. But I think he was thinking is, well, just let the Holy Spirit work. You don't have to put any emphasis on it. And yet. And there's a
1: sanctified way of doing that, you know, of of that that mindset, but that also doesn't give in to the extremely. I want to be careful how I say this. So the extremely desensitized culture that we live in to blank word. If you just put blank word out there in the people of today, they're going to pass right over it. You know, we are, it's always flashy. It's always getting yelled at. It's always getting that. So if you come in with emphasis, um, it, it brings it more to life for people who are used to being entertained 99% of their day. And so now they're going to engage just a little bit more. Back in, you know, even in the 60s, I'll say, um, they weren't entertained in nearly the same way as we are now. The radio show, how many radio shows do you know were just, you know, they put emphasis in, they put sound effects in, they did all this kind of, I'm not saying let's put sound effects in church, except on Good Friday, we should do that. (laughs) <laughs> but but even if it's not, you know, like you guys
2: again teasing you about being actors, but even just passion. Yeah. I think people pick up on the passion.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. If you just get up there and and say words without any kind of passion or emotion, you're a robot. Yeah. You know what? And and I think Paul talked about something like that. You just a resounding gong. You need love one of my one of my
2: 7th graders asked me this week so pastor with AI can we just have
1: AI write sermons and i thought that was an interesting question i can answer that yes <laughs> uh i have a, a a colleague in the metalworking field who started telling me about this and he actually put a debate between me and and uh i'll, I'll spare another uh quote unquote lutheran person and a debate on a specific topic and the AI wrote a paper where I was citing scripture and evidence and all that kind of stuff and it read like a sermon so well, I can tell you yes they can yeah but but and that's what
2: I told them I said yeah you can have a factually probably not doctrinally because it's actually surprisingly good well yeah but <laughs> but I said and then what I used was Pastor Day and Pastor Reckley downtown at first Evan that we share the school with. I said, those guys come over to Water of Life and they preach excellent sermons and I may go over there and preach an excellent sermon, but it doesn't have quite the effect mm-hmm. on the people because you're, you're that preacher is not their shepherd. Mm-hmm. I don't know their people. I'm just a hired guy coming in or vice versa for midweek Lent, Mm -hmm. when the pastor, even if I preach like a mediocre sermon, and I
0: hope I don't, but if I do, at least the people know I'm their pastor. Is the the AI going to sit with them at a potluck? And, uh, you know, is the AI going to come to their confirmation party? Mm -hmm. Um, Is the AI going to uh, be there for their mother's deathbed? Right. Mm Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and people right.
2: might think negatively, I've you've, we've probably all had this where people say, Pastor, I think you're talking about me in your sermon. And I was I don't ever talk I'll talk about you in my sermon. I always talk about my kids and my, my <laughs> wife in my sermon and me. But
1: I usually talk about me. So Yeah.
2: But but the key is I can write stories, because yeah. I try and be a storyteller. I can write stories where I'm trying to make an amalgamation of everyone that I've known in the mm-hmm. ministry so that it does hopefully have touch points that, again, AI doesn't. Mm-hmm. and But that, that goes into why we read Scripture the way we do. Right. But not just out loud, but like you said, Jeremiah, is I think when we read it in our own minds mm-hmm. and we hear it.
1: Well, and then when we... You, tap into our nerdiness and go back to the original language, we can kind of see where where the emphasis sh- sh- maybe was originally intended. Um, hopefully we can find that. And then we can also, it, this is kind of where I, like I keyed off of fearful instead of something else. We can key off of something else in that verse that the Holy Spirit is definitely trying to tell us, but it maybe it's, we got to dig a little bit deeper. So I might read it a little differently to get the emphasis that I think is is important for today out.
2: Last question I have Jeremy is what's the ultimate purpose of everything that John wrote about Jesus, really everything that's written about Jesus in general in the gospels?
0: To lead you to trust and and believe the facts about Christ. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's almost like there's a song about these words that are written that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of and, God. And
0: that we are to have life in his name. <laughs> hey, there you go. Yeah. I like it. You should be a pastor. I, sh- I should write scripture. Whoa, 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 <laughs>
1: whoa. You know, um, uh, I, I want to... You sent me the questions beforehand. Yes. So you, you, you kind of pre-warned us. And you said last question that you were going to ask. Yes. So I'm going to bring one up. Woo. All right. Um, but I'm going to use your question because I think it's super important okay. for us to talk about. Because it we talk about going to heaven and there um, I with my eyes shall see him mine and not another. And we understand that we're going to have glorified bodies. We talk Moses uh, or Abraham and Elijah were walking with Jesus Okay, so we got these bodies that are glorified and yet Jesus still has his wounds. What? No, I have I have opinions on that, but what did what did you guys come up with for answers
0: on that on that quiz, Jeremy? So is this like um a a woman who asked me one time if Jesus comes back while I'm eight months pregnant, does that mean I'm going to be eight months pregnant in all eternity?
2: <laughs> or, or like I had a first grader ask me this while walking out of church. He said, uh, Pastor, if I die as a kid, do I stay a yeah. kid in heaven? So and, and, I, and I answered, because I'm smart enough now, and, and I said, well, what would you want to be an adult? And he thought for half a second and said, No, adults are boring. <laughs>
0: Good answer. Yeah. So so it, I I think I saw your, your reference here to First Corinthians fifteen, and I'm guessing that's the section where Paul is talking about the body that is planted is not the same that's gonna be Yeah. That was his that was
1: and, and the so Zarling of the podcast, that was his
0: Who know? who knows? Who knows? Who knows?
1: I think I think we get a pretty clear answer okay um from Isaiah
0: hmm.
1: you know by his wounds we are healed right okay. so when we talk about a glorified body can you think of anything that is more glory filled than the wounds of your savior that spear side that spear hole those nail marks that that cursed cursed brow that's
0: shredded that's your glory
1: the lamb that looks
0: like it was slain yeah.
1: that's so so Jesus having the wounds there we get to look at that oh i'm getting goosebumps right now guys just we get to look at that every day in heaven he's going to be the light of everything we're not going to need the sun we're not going to need any of that stuff because our glory
0: his wounds that healed us are right there so let me let me push back a little bit he is the first fruits of our resurrection sure so what about the rest of us well yeah and what you were what the reference is
2: first corinthians uh, 15 the He's resurrection chapter <laughs> he, and paul paul answers his own question he says someone will object how can it be that the dead are raised with what kind of body are they going to come
0: how foolish yeah you're being <laughs> yeah. foolish and like you were
2: saying it, he you're not you were foolish you are continuing to be foolish what you sow is not made alive unless it dies and what you sow is not the body that will be but a bare seed perhaps of wheat or some other grain but god gives it as a body of the kind he wanted it to have and to each of the seeds he gives
0: its own body so it, by apostolic authority paul is saying that the person who posed this question is foolish yes. <laughs> And what I think, of, I,
1: and I said clearly that it was not my question, <laughs> right? This
0: was the zarling of the podcast. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but I remember reading in you know the collection of essays called uh, "Our Great Heritage," mm-hmm. where the pastor, a professor who had written about this text, he wrote, "Well, maybe we have to wear name tags in heaven because we're going to be so different." And he used, and he says, Paul specifically uses you know, farming language that, mm-hmm. and he, he uses the example of if you didn't know that a kernel of corn and you plant it in the ground would eventually grow into a 10 foot corn stalk with one or two cobs on it, right. you'd have no idea. And he, he says, maybe that's what our bodies will be like in heaven. They'll be so different and mm-hmm. so perfect that we won't even recognize each other.
1: I gotta say, you know, you push back, and and, mm-hmm. and then he came in with God's word. How dare you? <laughs> you
2: well, no, like what Jeremy said the last podcast. Well, maybe we should have some Greek from the hosts. <laughs> so I just usually let the the Greek from the experts, and and I bring in the other stuff.
1: I um, uh, I, I, yeah, well, thanks for bringing it in. I don't. I, I want to respond to the push though, mm-hmm. because I um, I'm not. I really don't care. Uh, about how I look or my body, I mean, I'm I'm missing part of a finger um, from a, a, a an accident uh, in college. Not sword related, not forge related. Um, am I going to have it back in heaven? I don't care. I get to see Jesus. <laughs> you know, it's going to be my body somehow. Maybe it's like the cornstalk. I don't care. Take the world, take the body. Just give me Jesus. If I can parody the the hymn. So it's, it's focusing our attention the right way. So push back all you want. I, I don't care. This body is going to... I'm a soul that happens to have a body for this time, and I'm a soul that's going to live into eternity that's going to get reunited with this body somehow mm. when the resurrection comes. Jesus got that. I just got this wonderful ministry of binding and loosing that I get to be a part of and share with so many people.
2: Yeah, I I usually tell people when they ask that question, I don't know what kind of body I'm going to have. I just figure that at least one thing will happen is I'll be able to see colors in heaven. You know, that would be a cool thing. Uh, so uh, before we close, are we closing now, Jeremiah? Yeah,
1: I, I don't know. I'm sure we're over time. I just, yeah. uh, I, I my, I have a partner. Um, I also, if, and if I don't go on somebody else's podcast and plug my own, I I get kind of in trouble so if you can forgive me that Uh, I also have a podcast called Worship at the Anvil, Uh, the focus of that is um, we tend to think of worship uh, in our churches and I really wanted to say no, you know uh, actually this was, I was very I pushed back against podcasts for a long time but my partner said, no we got to do this, we got to do this, so we talk about where do we worship, how do we worship and um take it out of the church building and go beyond there. So it's called Worship at the Anvil. Um it's on a whole bunch of different platforms. So if you want to check that out, I
2: will and we'll we'll plug that too. All right. So and I also want to invite our listeners to a presentation I'm having this weekend. Uh, April 16th at our Water of Life Racine campus at 3 o'clock. I'm going to record it. So I'm going to talk about my book, Resisting the Dragon's Beast. I'm going to be signing copies and so forth. And, but I think a big thing is that the artist, since we talked a little bit about art in this podcast, Laura Kepsel, who created the art uh, and is a teacher at Shoreland, uh, will be here as well. So this is Michael Zarling with our Forged in Fire winner, Jeremiah, and lightening on your feet. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wants the water of life take it as a gift. Stay thirsty, my friends, and drink deeply from the water of life.